David Wilson was born in 1930 at Altane, Stonykirk, and would have been 92 years old on the 3rd of November. He lived most of his younger years at Home Farm at Dunragget and went to Drockdool School and Sandhead Primary School. After leaving school, he worked for the Department of Agriculture and assisted with forestry work on the Dunragget estate. One of his responsibilities was driving the milk glory to the creamery. However, one cold, dark, rainy morning at 4.30am, he decided that he wasn't for doing it. And so the creamery didn't get milk until much later when they realised that no one had taken the milk glory from Dunragget. And he never drove the milk glory again. David served his apprenticeship as a, a, a joiner and as well as the usual joinery. He worked on roofs. It was, of course, the days before health and safety, so uh, some daring jobs were completed. And uh, as someone who, who spent countless Saturdays at Irish League football grounds in my younger days, I, I was intrigued to hear that in his early 20s, David would travel over uh, to Antrim uh, to play for uh, the, the Irish League team at Chimney Corner. Uh, left-footed players like him uh, were in demand, uh, and he played for a, a number of teams uh, locally here as well. In those early post-war years, national service was still a requirement. David completed his, but signed on for longer and worked at Aden in Yemen uh, with a mobile unit, 66 Squadron. Uh, he had the most wonderful times of his life living and working in Aden. He used to drive his friends and others to the Lido and really enjoyed the camaraderie of life in the forces. Upon leaving the services, he managed to continue driving and worked for the RAF at West Frook. This opened up a whole world of travelling around the UK, visiting and working at bases including Bimbecula, Swanage, Great Yarmouth and many more. During his time back in the UK, he met Nan Johnston, fell in love and married her in 1958. He became a father in 1962 when Gloria came along. David enjoyed teaching and reading to Gloria. Being a lefty, he taught her a whole set of new skills, including tying laces with her left hand. David worked very hard, working long hours at the Frook, as well as bringing up his daughter by himself after Nan passed away with Gloria in her early teens. When she left home, he loved travelling and visiting his daughter, whether in Leeds, Liverpool or Port William. The list of vehicles that he was qualified to drive was extensive. And when questioned about his driving on one occasion, he said, I've driven more miles in reverse than some of you have driven forwards. He was awarded the Imperial Service Medal in 1982. A couple of Mondays ago, David passed away suddenly but peacefully, not long after coming back in from getting his shopping. He'd spoken to Gloria on the phone earlier in the day. And that brings us to today. 
Earlier this week, Gloria showed me the Bible uh, with which her dad was presented during his days of active service. On the outside is the motto of the RAF. Printed inside is a message from His Majesty the King. Uh, The King, of course, being George VI, uh, the last king that the UK knew until very recently. And the King's message read as follows. To all serving in my forces by sea or land or in the air, and indeed to all my people engaged in the defence of the realm, I commend the reading of this book. For centuries the Bible has been a wholesome and strengthening influence in our national life, and it behooves us in these momentous days to turn with renewed faith to this divine source of comfort and inspiration. Those words had originally been written two weeks after the outbreak of World War II. At a time like that, the great need of the hour was to listen to what God would say. And to those who mourn today, I would encourage you to do the same thing. To find comfort in the promises of God's word. And to discover or rediscover the Christian message of certain hope in the face of death. And so for the rest of our time this morning, I want to direct our thoughts to those final words of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross before his death. The last words of a loved one are are words that we'll never forget. I know Gloria is grateful for the opportunity that she had to speak to her dad on the phone just a few hours before he passed away. It was just an ordinary conversation, but one which now takes on new meaning and significance. But on the cross, the Lord Jesus knew that he was uttering his final words before his death. From the cross, he spoke seven times. With each of those seven sayings full of significance. And his final words from the cross were, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Now even if you would not describe yourself as religious in any shape or form, it would be hard to deny the significance of Jesus Christ Our very calendars remind us that the year in which we live is 2,022 years after his birth, give or take. And surely at a time when the reality of death hits home, and perhaps those questions about what happens next come towards the surface, it's fitting to take five minutes to think about the final words of the most significant person who has ever lived and to consider what their relevance for us might be. And as we do so, I want to ask and very briefly answer two questions about those final words. Uh, Firstly, to ask about their significance for Jesus and then secondly, their significance for us. So firstly, what did Jesus' final words on the cross tell us about him well quite simply they tell us that he had completed his mission he had completed his mission 
As someone who served in the armed forces, David Wilson knew all about completing missions far from home. And the Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth with a very particular mission. And that mission was not primarily to be a good teacher, though he was that. That mission was not primarily to be a good example, though he was that as well. But that mission was to come and die in place of his people. Think of a soldier who throws himself on a grenade in order to absorb the blast in his own body so that his friends might be saved. That's why the Lord Jesus came to earth. Sent by his Father on a mission to save those doomed to die, not merely a physical death, but if nothing is done to prevent it, an eternal one. And the the blast that he saves us from, the blast which he bore in his own body, is the just and holy wrath of God against sin. Either we must bear it ourselves for all eternity, or we put our faith in Jesus, the one who bore his people's sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, and that by his wounds we might be healed. And with that mission completed, the Lord Jesus cried out, It is finished. That was his sixth saying from the cross. And then he committed his soul to his Father, because there was nothing left for him to do. For us to try and earn merit before God by good works or religious acts would be an insult to his final sacrifice. And so the death of Jesus was not the the tragic end of a failed revolutionary who the world was not yet ready for. Rather, it was the completion of the most successful mission in history. As he would say just before he went to the cross, uh, he had lost none of those to whom the Father had given him. So that's the answer to the first of our two questions. That's the significance of those final words for the Lord Jesus. They tell us that he died in the confidence that his mission had been completed. But what about the significance of those words for us? Well, they tell us that when the time comes for each of us to die, we have something that we can commit to God for safekeeping. Our earthly possessions we can only commit to those coming after us. We can either specify who we want things to go to or we can just leave it to whoever's left behind to sort out. But each of us will die with something infinitely valuable and that is our soul. And we can commit it to God. Over the centuries, the last words of Jesus have become the last words of many of his followers. Uh, For example, the the German reformer Martin Luther or Scotland's own John Knox. And those words can become our dying confidence as well. Death is not the end. 
And so for us to commit our souls into God's hands is to commit them into his safekeeping when the time comes for our bodies and our souls to be separated. Our bodies are a bit like a jewellery box. Inside is the jewel. And committing our souls to God means that as the, as the jewellery box breaks up, the jewel inside will be kept safe. To be one day placed inside a resurrected body. And notice, by the way, how personal these words are. Into your hands I commit my spirit. That's nothing that anyone else can do for you. As a minister, it is beyond my power to commit anyone's soul to God. Only you can do it for yourself. And now in this life is the opportunity to do so before it's too late. Perhaps there's someone here today uh, and you're wondering, well, how can I do that? How can I commit my soul to God? Well, you can only do it through the Lord Jesus Christ. Trusting in him for the forgiveness he promises to all who will come to him in repentance and faith. And if you do that, you will know a transformed life here on earth and life in heaven for all eternity. And just as we close this morning, one characteristic of David Wilson that I haven't yet mentioned was his legendary punctuality. On one occasion, he slowed a minibus to a crawl and was overtaken by a pushbike rather than be too early. He always wanted to be exactly on time. And in that, he was like God who works everything together perfectly. Never too early, never too late. And I pray that you, Gloria, in particular, can draw comfort from that in the days ahead. Even if you have to continue with people who don't turn up when they say they will, God's timing is perfect. And for all of us, if there really is a God, and if he is in control of all, to, of, of all things, then the fact that we are here in this particular place on this particular day to hear this particular message is no mistake. His arms are, are open wide, ready to receive all who will come to him through faith in Christ. If only you will commit your soul and your life to him. Amen. Well, we close by singing the well-known words of Psalm 23, the Lord's my shepherd. And of course, these are words that can only be truly sung by those who have committed their souls to God. Only then can we say, the Lord is my shepherd. And if we can, if we can sing these words prayerfully, asking that he would be our shepherd through Christ, then he will guide us through life and through death, through death's dark veil, as it's put here in the middle verse, 
And we will be able to confidently sing the last verse. Goodness and mercy all my life shall surely follow me. And in God's house forevermore my dwelling place shall be. So Psalm 23, the Lord's my shepherd will stand to sing praise.